Right, this is Bez. I'm Eight Wonders up here, and you're listening to the Workhouse. This is Marshall Jefferson, and you're listening to the Workhouse. This is Alex P, and you're listening to the Workhouse. Hiya, I'm Jackie, and you're listening to the Workhouse. Hi, this is Kay Class, and you are listening to the Workhouse. Hi, this is Lindy Lane, and you're listening to the Workhouse. Oi, oi, this is Disco Boy, and you're listening to the Workhouse. Hi, this is Angelo Ferreri and you are listening to The Workhouse. Hi, this is James Avila and you're listening to The Workhouse Sessions. This is Roger Sanchez and right now you're checking out The Workhouse. Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Michael. I feel like we're, we're like back in the studio. Distance, of course. Yes, Distance and I've safe. Got, um, Timmy. Yeah. Fetch me the four meter stick. <laughs> oh, we're doing four meters now. Just to be safe. Oh, super safe. Yes, absolutely. How are you, Alan? Are you all right? I'm fine. Good, good, good. Uh, let's just do the thing. What what episode are we on again? Five. Volume five. five. Welcome to the pandemic podcast. Episode number five. <laughs> oh dear God. <laughs> I just need to get that off my chest. You did, yeah. yeah. We've got a lot of pent-up aggression, <laughs> yeah, well. Michael. Well, you know me, the town crier, as we've... Uh, oh, yes, I yeah. forgot. They haven't, they haven't, I've, I've put my application in, but they haven't got been back jobs? to me. Nope. No. Uh, no, I've still managed to keep no, the shop going. There's nobody to cry at in the no, town at the minute. No, there's nobody there. Oh. There's nobody there to shout at. No, just, <laughs> Mike's just, as normally, stood there shouting at the wall. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a bit strange <laughs> if I was just in the town now with my town crier <laughs> hat on. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, there's nobody here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the shops shut and that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's shutting the shutters upstairs, you know, like in the old film. Yeah. Like all battening down the hatches. Maybe, here it comes. Maybe that's why Darlington Borough Council haven't come back to me. Funny that. Yeah, yeah. Funny, I, yeah. I will, I'll, I'll maybe, it might happen yet, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, this is, as we said, volume five. Five. So it's, it's number five out of a series of five podcasts. Yes. Um, which are supported by... Is that it? We finished then after tonight. Darlington for Culture and Creative Darlington. And this is the big finale. Is it? Yeah. Is it, so are we done after this? Are we done? We're allowed a little rest after this. Yeah. A little rest. So who... Have we got on the show tonight, Mike? Well, I'm a little bit excited, to be honest Daft, with you. Yeah, you, you do get that way. Yeah, because we have hit the... the, the this is the, the, the high note of, of this series well, of five. I'm not because being funny. After last sh- last week's show was you. Yeah. Could have only go up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what we thought we'd do is we'd have some DJs on, and it went up and up and up. And, <laughs> and then we thought... Little dip. We'll have a little, little dip. dip. Because then I was it's on. It's like when you're DJing, isn't it? You know when you save that big record? Yeah, for the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. were the filler in the middle, Mike. I'm the filler in the middle. <laughs> I was the glue that put this all together. You, right. you are the glue that holds it this together. This all Mike. together. So, yeah. So, uh, I, uh, my, yeah, we've, we've only ended in one direction, I agree. The only yeah. way, as uh, Yaz said... <laughs> Is up. The only way is up. <laughs> the only way is up. Uh, we went. We stooped down low with me <laughs> as a guest, and now it's just bigging it up for the main attraction. Yeah. And um, to be honest, we uh, we've in, on this series of podcasts. If you haven't listened to all of them, it's been all about um, how COVID and lockdown and all this carry on that we've suffered with, uh, and how it's affected the entertainment industry. And me and Alan are very much part of the uh, DJ side of the yeah. entertainment industry. Yeah, uh, we've looked at, we've tried to pick guests from all facets of the yeah. sort of DJ angle, from yeah. your mobile to your 
bar to your production guys yep. to, and now we've ended with this yeah. guy who yeah. is Smooth. I love the way you say that, Mike. He Smooth. Smooth. I saw do it in my Sean Connery. Which uh, a tribute to Sean. Yeah. That's Mike just speaks like all the all the time in tribute to Sean Connery. Yeah, Smooth. Yeah. A great a great actor that yeah. we sadly missed. So uh Smooth is part of Schmooth and Terrell. He is. Yeah. And they're they're a huge thing. You know, really the number one album. Popular. This is, um, you know... Funk, soul, band. Uh, funk, soul, hip-hop, jazz. Yeah. Um, electronic. Electronic blend of all kinds of Smooth things. Smooth is a DJ in his own right. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he kind of set off as... He set off as a DJ. And he was a bit of a DJ. He was into the hip-hop scene. He's been big into, like... Uh, Break dance and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? He's beginning to making sound effects make and sound effects. the sounds of it, yeah. yeah. All into that, and he's uh, done a lot of productions and releases under his own name of yeah. Smooth. And we won't go into all because it it's all comes out. It's all in explained the in the yeah. interview. But obviously, but one half of a very successful northeast-based band, number one album, yeah, number one album. Get a lot of players on like Radio Two from yep. Craig Charles, huge. Um, so it's a bit of a thing that we managed to get to talk to, yeah. to Schmoo. But yeah. he's a local lad. He is, and, and we've met him before my, yeah. when I got sent by myself to Northridge. I'm yeah. still not over it, by the way. Yeah. Three years ago, <laughs> yeah. I still have nightmares and about it now. Yeah, he's your friend. He's a uh, person I've met in real life. Yeah, and, and he's, he's actually your friend. And uh, I'm the fan because I've got all the vinyl yes. and I've bought all the records. I think the um, word, the uh, term is stalker, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> It's taken three years for him to accept my Facebook friend request. Yes. <laughs> it tells you something, doesn't it, <laughs> listeners? We do touch on that in the interview. We do. So I'm really pleased that we've got to interview yeah. this guy, you but know, because it's it's quite a big thing. It is, and it, it's also, I think, another angle that we hadn't talked to anyone about before was the whole sort of live performance and yes. the band's point of view, because that is a bit different to your typical DJ. Absolutely. So he sheds a bit of light on that, what it's been like going forward as well, because they've just done uh, the first big online gig. Yes, and we went to we it. We did. We did. We went. Where did you? Where did you sit? Well, I sat in my office. Oh, did you? Right, I sat on my couch in the living room. Right. Well, my office at home though is big, comfy chair. Yeah. All Man cave. it's got like all acoustic foam lined round. <laughs> I've got padded, padded it's room. It's a bit like. of a padded <laughs> cell, right? Listeners, I've got. <laughs> I wired. I wired it all into my big screen TV that I have there. I have a, like a screen TV. Is there a big lock on the outside of the door? There is a lock on the outside of the door. <laughs> True story. <laughs> right, there is. Sometimes Mike just can't get out of that room, yeah. listeners. And uh, the, I have like a surround sound, like a full-on studio monitor set up in there. Right. So I've got sound coming from behind. Yeah. I've got two sound coming from front. <laughs> then I had lighting. Right. <laughs> so I I actually had wow. a full concert experience. Sat in your sat sat in Sat in my house on my own. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was brilliant. I, I I really did enjoy it. It was as close it as was you different. Can, it was as close as you could get to going to a gig at the yeah. moment. It it was different. I, I, I thought it was very similar to going to a gig in terms of the hangover I had on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really an authentic See, the next experience. thing, in my little office, there's a bar. <laughs> there's a fridge full of beer. Well, so getting to the bar wasn't like having to stand in a queue. I found the queues for the bar were brilliant. <laughs> yes. The drink prices were excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and the uh, taxi service home was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, this vir well, virtual, this online gig thing, yeah. I think it's got legs. Yeah. I really do. Oh, yeah. You don't need legs to go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I thought about this when we were at this, because uh, you we were actually talking via messenger. So yeah. Alan was at his house watching the gig. So we were like at the same gig at the same time. And I was like, 
do you know what? This is maybe one of them things that is, it's a little bit unusual, it's not the norm. Would I have liked to have gone to the gig, really? Yes, of course I would. Yeah. But maybe this is something that moving forward in the future when we're all back to normal, say there was a gig to go and see, I don't know, let's just say, for instance, I wanted to go and see ACDC. Yeah. But they were only going to play a gig in London on or a certain or day. New York. Yeah, that is I couldn't it? go yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, maybe just logistically, and it's really expensive to go and to I, New York. And I couldn't go. Yeah. yeah. But I really, really wanted to but go. But the second best thing for 20 would quid, be... Maybe you could go and see vid- uh, a virtual, virtual gig. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is what I'm thinking. I think so is this one of them avenues and one of these money things that bands could be doing? You know, like the restaurants that never did takeaway? Yeah. And well, now all of a sudden... We do we do cover that sort of thing in yeah. the interview, don't we? Now all of a sudden they yeah. do uh, takeaway. I think nobody can disagree that this year everything has changed. Everything has changed. And this is a big change to Huge. how maybe people are going to get involved in gigs for the next six months, you nine just months, don't 12 know. months. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think we'll get on with the interview. It's yeah, really, really good. We have waffled on. And uh, straight after the interview... Uh, we've got a mix from Smooth yeah. as well, and we'll just go straight into that. So yeah. it's like goodbye from me and him again. Thank God. Yeah, so, um, and let's say hello to yeah. Smooth, and his mix is excellent. Yeah, and, and the music that's in this show is cool. It's it's brilliant. It's Uber not what cool. I thought it was going to be. There's a little bit right. of other things that I thought. Oh, yeah. Didn't think you'd pick that. It's really, really good. There's a couple of tracks you'll know for sure, and some maybe don't. Yeah. But if you haven't listened to the other four shows, please go back and have a listen, Mm because they do all have an interesting take and a different story on the year. And there's some insights into each DJ and some little stories about their sort of past and things like that. They're really interesting listens. Absolutely. So, Alan, I I think you've done a really good job of these. You too. (laughs) Let's get on with the interview then. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello. We are talking today to Smooth. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, cheers. Where are you talking to us from today, Smooth? You're obviously at home, but by the looks of it, you're in the studio, is that right? I am, yeah. My home studio is on the back of my house, so it's really far to to travel to work. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been a lot of time Literally three steps and I'm at work, so it's great. (laughs) You've obviously got, it looks like you've got a uh, a lot of vinyl there in the studio. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of surround myself in vinyl uh, since I was twelve, so it makes great insulation. Like it's dead the sound in here, so it's great for recording. We've got also in here we've got like drum kits and keyboards and everything, so uh, it's it's fantastic space to be in. Um, oh, and, awesome. Like you know, like when lockdown came, it was kind of like well, I actually realised when lockdown came, I went well, there was a point where and I didn't even go and get a bottle of milk for two weeks. I, I, you know, I, I was so used to being isolated anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you were practicing. You've been practicing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of DJs and musicians will probably relate to being locked in the studio. Yeah. Well, but, it's it, like from an early age, you know, I used to like, this, this, this sounds crazy, but I used to wake up, I think I was about 15, and I'd be like, i got an idea, like, and all I had was these crap pair of turntables and like a, a cassette deck and my sister's hi-fi and I, I'd wired them all together and I like I had this crap set of honestly it was it was a joke but I had loads of great ideas and I firmly believed I could make a record by the records I had so in other words sapling editing and all that and right. and that was my burning ambition I just wanted to make a record so I used to get up first thing right it would be like the sun you know like hadn't even risen I, I'd get up I was still in my undies right and I'd be <laughs> 
DJing all day, right? And my dad would bring us like a cup of tea, then a bacon buddy, then the dinner, then the tea, then more coffee. And, and then the, the sun had gone down and I was still stood there dying for a piss. Like this went on and on and on. And I knew, I knew I was like, I had to make a career out of this because that was, that, that I've never ever had such a burning ambition like that. You know, like, like just, it took over my life completely. Wow. Well, it's obviously paid off for you. So, um, <laughs> well, Mike's been really quiet. Mike, why are you being so quiet? Uh, uh, oh, ha- can I just have a quick word, Alan? <laughs> You're not going to spoil the interview like you've done before with like Roger Sanchez. Yeah, are you, Mike? yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about, mate. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous to be honest with you, because um, you know what happens when I interview people that, like you know uh, famous and stuff. I get a bit excited. <laughs> Um, you know. I mean, look what happened when we when we did Roger Sanchez. That 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 didn't go well. Um, uh, and then Bez, when we did Bez from the Happy Mondays, that didn't go well. Uh, and then we did Jeremy Healy. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, and I just didn't want to spoil it for you, Al. I just didn't want to spoil it. So, because you know, it's not that I'm a fan or anything, but like, you know, I, I thought I might get a bit excited. You've got a few records I've got there, a Mike, few records. You? Can I them, yeah, I, yeah. I certainly do, yeah. You he's, might recognise some three. of these. <laughs> the thing is, look, they're all brand new. They haven't even been opened. Yeah, no, they have. No, they have. Like, yes, they have. They have, they have, they have. All right, OK. I'll put the telephone on the outside to keep the value, you see. Oh, he's got a signed copy. Yeah, now, where do you think I got that signed? I don't know. Was that Darlington? No, it was, it was just some kids down the street that did a scribble <laughs> with a sharpie on the front. <laughs> no, it was the forum. Yeah, the forum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, you went to the forum wow. and you came out with your suitcase and it, on what a was table. Yeah, yeah, what was hilarious, yeah. right? Was <laughs> like a magician. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> what it was actually no, what roll it was. Up, <laughs> it was like what it reminded me of. Like picture this, people. We'd been to the Forum in Darlington, which is a brilliant little venue for music, and we'd been to see Smooth and Terrell. What a gig. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. At the end of the gig, there was always a bit of merch to buy at the end, so we went out into the bar, and you'd think there'd just be some people there going to sell you some T-shirts and stuff. But no, Smooth comes out with a suitcase looking like he's selling dodgy aftershave and stolen watches. (laughs) Unzips his suitcase and gets yeah. all this vinyl out. Well, Alan, you know what I'm like with vinyl. I just see the stuff and I get a little bit excited. So yeah. I um Well, you, you didn't see me long coat. Inside me long coat, I have seven <laughs> inches all on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, basically yeah, I'm I'd, not gonna pay anyone to do my stall, do you know what I mean? No I, I, did, I did that and you came out and um you were dead busy with it and I I, I you were really pleasant to me. I bought I bought this off you. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> uh, and I said, oh, you're going to sign it then? You went, yeah, no bother. And you signed it. And he said, oh, and by the way, when John comes out, make sure he signs it as well. And if he doesn't, you come and tell me. And I saw John and John signed it as well. It was brilliant. It was it was a really nice moment. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So, um, and then I said, sling your hook. I've got to serve someone else now. Yeah, well, There's money to be made. Yeah. Well, well, it goes on because... At that point, I tried to add you on Facebook. Um, oh. I think it was nearly over a year ago now. Um, Probably longer. And, and, and I thought I might stand a chance because 
Alan's your friend on Facebook and has been for three years. And I thought, wow. well, you might see the connection. And no, not until last week when he accepted me friend's request. <laughs> yeah, that's, because, that's only because I thought you were someone else. Oh, right. I see. I see. Well, now that we're friends, now that we're friends, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Absolutely. So yeah. I'd like to thank you for um, joining in on these interviews. Um, it's, it's really good of you to do that. So I've got... Uh, if I, only we could go back to those simpler times, back uh, to oh, 2019. Wouldn't it be great? I know. Wouldn't it be great? Suitcases, suitcases without wheels, you know what I mean? <laughs> Take it back. Gigs without wheels. So, so how how is how is lockdown sort of two we're in lockdown two point now as people are calling it how how's that for you? Um, yeah, well, I've been asked this a lot. Uh, the, the the initial thing in March was it May or March? March. Uh, it was pure shock. It was anxiety. It was like, oh, my life's over. My career's finished. You know, all these horrible dark thoughts. Kept watching the news, and then I realised the worst thing you can do because you can't change anything, and it's just scaremongering and all the rest of it. So. Stop doing that, concentrate back on music. Then actually, I started realising touring was just one part of what we do. It wasn't everything, you know what I mean? And obviously, it was a shame because our album came out and went number one. Well, I'll speak about that later. But basically, I, I, I try to get like a state of mind where I thought, uh, let's just concentrate on the music, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, forget the real world, you know, and just yeah, lock myself yeah. away. And um, it, it was... Everyone in the band had a different situation and everyone had to deal with it. But I think in the end, they all did. But uh, it was a, a difficult time for everybody, you know. But I think um, now I actually I quite embrace because we toured so hard. Honestly, it was like, I mean, we already we've lost 100 shows just this year. Wow. So you'd imagine how heavy our tour schedule is. So in yeah. a way, I mean, because we've been touring for like hardcore for 10 years. So it was like, it's really nice to sort of have time off. Break. Do you know what I mean? But obviously, the break's getting a bit long now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we can, we can appreciate that. I think, I mean, we've talked to, this is um, volume five of a series of these podcasts that we've done. We've talked to sort of a lot of DJs, well, like your club DJ, your wedding DJ, bar DJ. And I think, although people have had a lot to deal with this year in terms of hardship and difficult times, People have found a little bit of positivity in maybe having that extra time. Yeah. Things. Well, I, I mean, I read something might be on the radio, but it said, um, you know, if you've got a, a wife or a husband or whatever uh, that your partner, you, you, it's the equivalent of spending eight years with them in that lockdown <laughs> in, in just four months. Because <laughs> if you think about it, you only really see your missus in the morning when she goes to work, when she yeah. comes back. And then maybe as you go in the, the the wood house and hit hammers or something, you know, play darts <laughs> or go to the pub. And and then you see it when you come back when you're slaughtered. Who knows? But those are the little moments that, that, that you actually get. So it's condensed, you know what I mean? I mean, the other thing that's been condensed, obviously the, the shops, like retail, um, was dying. You know, we already knew this, you know what I mean? But And they said they projected five years of like before it would have to radically change. Well, that just disappeared overnight. I mean, I just saw the deal on the news. Amazon have opened up another um, thing in the in the like factory in uh, the northeast, and I mean, you know, it's another over a thousand jobs. Another one, and I'm looking at it going, 
you know what? Retail is screwed. That's it. Like this is the future. Like just factory outlets, just selling online. It's not even the future. It's now. It's now. Yeah. (laughs) This is it. Cheers, mate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think like definitely with the high street, uh, like 100. Yeah. Uh, Darling will be all right though. <laughs> <laughs> Darling's got its own ecosystem. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it has, Dar- yeah. Dar- and Darlington, uh, especially around the Horton Village area, where there's a little shop called Phase One, that specific area will be just yeah. fine. Look, they're never going to phase that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think you're right though. You hit on a point. Like I think. It's only sort of specialist retail that will kind of that has a a long term future because everything is just available on on the internet. Well, my theory as well is you know like even restaurants, um, you know you've got like independents, right? Bars, clubs, and restaurants and nightclubs, and then you've got like the the chains and the big sort of corporate companies, right? And the franchises and all that. And you would think that the franchises would survive, you know, what I mean, and the independents would die first. The independents are sort of like proper holding on because it's all they've got, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I think it comes down to shares. See that street in Newcastle, like Northumberland Street, that goes down from yeah. Grey Street, yeah. you know? Like, it's just that. It's just full of, like, there was nothing there a few years ago. Now it's full of, like, Harry's and all these swanky sort of restaurant bar things, right? And they're yeah. all corporates from London and stuff like that. They're going to be the first to jump ship when the shares fall out their arse, which is coming, uh, and everyone starts pulling out. Because they'll look after the capital and they'll just pull them out of here. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah. street will be abandoned again. I can see it. It'll, yeah, be, well, it'll be the I little... Inde- there, with the independent, like your little independent uh, bars, restaurants, bit like the restaurant they're doing like uh, takeaway and like they're, yeah. they're adapting, aren't yeah. they? They're quickly moving and trying to adapt think, and, and survive. I think with an independent business that's an independent, like, I mean, I'm an independent, is they're usually smaller and they adapt quicker to dodge yeah. the bullet. You're like, yeah. oh, I've got to move this way and I've got to move quickly. And them smaller businesses move quicker than the big old whale <laughs> of a business that goes, well, we'll have to have a meeting about a meeting and about a meeting. And yeah. We'll have to speak to uh, Karen uh, in accounts. Now, and now we'll they're throwing like to... heat-seeking yeah. bullets at you, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Right, I've, well, I've, I've got a question. Go on, now that I'm in the interview, now that I've like I've I've, I've found me ground well, now, I've got found me ground. You won't get a word in now. Uh, yeah. Um, right. I've I've been a big fan of the uh, the podcasts. Well, the the Facebook Live that you've been doing, the Northern Call Experience. Right? Yeah. Honestly, mate. Right. Because I recognise the room straight away that we're looking and we're 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 doing this video call from. It's hilarious. You two are magic. Right. <laughs> And it's it's a musical education as well because I'm not a soul boy. I'm not into. I'm a musical slut. I like lots of different music, but what I've found is like when I listen to that show, I'm like, "Ooh, what's that? What's that? What's this?" And you know, you're just so good at presenting it together. But got a couple of questions. Why have I not? And I think there was an episode, but I missed it. Why is Mike not there? Uh, Mike, Mike is the and in between Smooth and Terrell, so like, he's that that squiggly thing that's his, like the logo of his nose. Um, basically, because of lockdown, you know, we're, we're not allowed like certain people in and stuff like that. Uh, there was one episode where Mike came, and that was the surprise. You know what I mean? That he just popped up out of the bottom. You know what I mean? Uh, so 
we will have him back on because it was just a bit of a laugh. But um, it was funny because he was playing the piano uh, and making songs up while we were on air. So it was, uh, actually, and then he he, he got some one. selections as well. Like he actually chose some tracks to play. So yeah, but he's good crack, Mike. Oh, so. well, that's uh, just for the listeners. If you've never seen Smooth and Terrell live, Mike right is the keyboard player, and he is the most mental keyboard player <laughs> you have ever seen. In your life, is it's just hilarious. He's brilliant at playing the keyboard, but entertaining is not in it. It's just fantastic. He's like the monkey climbing the organ, isn't he? You know what I mean? It's like he looks like he's as mad as a box of frogs. It's honestly (laughs) mental. But he is. This leads on to go on, go on, smooth. We often say that like a lot of people come to the show just to see Mike, you know. He's got a completely unique style. Yeah, he has. Which leads me on to my next question. Because is it right, and I've read this on Wikipedia, and we need to know whether Wikipedia is telling the truth or not, that you were friends with Mike before you met John. Yeah. I I mean, I've been making music since God knows how long. And um, basically, Mike was... uh, We met through clubbing, really, you know, like you do with everybody, a long time ago. And Mike um, sort of nuzzled his way in and started playing some moog on some uh dj sets i was doing and then in the end um we we were doing some remixes uh dynamo productions who is andy smith and scott bunker 45 um they oh, had a 45, thing and they asked me to remix yeah yeah so i ended up like remixing that and mike played keyboards all over that then we did the version of i'm a man and one thing that another room mike was in my studio every time i turned around so and then eventually, um, I met John through a mutual friend. Um, she suggested that we, we recorded, well, I recorded a demo for him. So he came around, and then I invited him to sing on one of my songs. And as it turned out, Mike had been hearing this voice in his next door to where he lived for, like, years, and he'd never met him. And then when they met, it was like, it's him with the voice I kept hearing. I recognized that voice. I was like, this is <laughs> That's unbelievable. Brilliant. That's what so it says I, on Wikipedia as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. Both stories are true. You know what I mean? Because what we usually get is people think the story's mixed up, but it's actually two stories, but then they align. So it's like, it is true. And, that is um, fantastic. you know, it's, I, I, I always say that, like, like I think the Northeast is quite a small area. And I think if I hadn't have been introduced to John, I think somebody would have hooked us up anywhere. I yeah. think it was going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all roads lead to this. <laughs> and then Mike gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. This way, this way. Shortcut lads, over here. It's it's a well, Mike thing. Me, Mike, I'm always getting in the way. We've got a mic as well, yeah. Always getting in the way. Everyone's got a mic. But we asked you as well, part of this interview, we asked you to pick five tracks. So why don't we talk about the first track uh, you picked, which is... The far side, passing me by. The far side, yeah. Right, yeah. Basically, I've just recently done quite a lot of interviews and um, and I've kind of uh, been asked this a lot. Uh, what's my favourite top ten albums or that? And I always just think, let's try, let's not try and be clever because, you know, my music is, my music knowledge is quite heavy. It's extensive. So I could pick some random jazz album that no one's ever heard of just because it's rare. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be really honest and pick the songs that I've played. Well, the most. expensive. <laughs> expensive. Well, all of 
vinyl is expensive now, evidently. <laughs> We're going to get it out really of that. Is, it's gone right up in price. Anyway, so I, like, I kept true to my word and I went, right, I'm going to pick the songs that I played over and over and over and over again. Um, and I was obsessed with The Far Side. And anyone who knows me knows that because it was like, you know, like, it was like, you know, when you meet people who are like obsessed with Prince, well, I was like that with Far Side. <laughs> um, so, I, like, the whole album, the Bizarre Right of the Far Side is an incredible album. The production, the comedy, the rapping, um, the graphics, uh, just just the like the beats, the the general party up vibe about the whole thing. It's a really intelligent album as well. Like the more that you listen to it, the more that you peel back the layers. But I picked like it was hard to pick one song off that album, um, but I picked Passing Me By. I think you did, you and did. that's because the guy uh, who's rapping. Is also well. There's four rappers, but he's singing the chorus, and it sounds like a sample. And I was blown away when I like that's kind of the first time I'd heard a rapper sing like with soul that good. You know what I mean? Because most rappers can't sing, otherwise they'd be a singer. You know what I mean? So that's why I like this song. And uh, the samples in it are quite laid, they're quite psychedelic. You know. I think of me and Shelly See she's my type of hype And I can't stand when brothers tell me That I should quit chasing And look for something better But the smile that she shows Makes me a go-getter I haven't gone as far as asking If I could get with her I just play love by ear And hope she gets the picture I'm shooting for her heart Got my finger on the trigger She can be my broad And I can be hot All I can do is stay up Back as kids we used to kiss When we played truth the day Now she's more sophisticated Highly educated Not at all Overrated. I think I need a prayer to get in a book and it looks rather dry. I guess a twinkle in her eye is just a twinkle in her eye. Although she's crazy stepping, I try and stop the stride because I won't have no more of this passive vibe. Time for me to voice my opinion can be pretending she didn't have me. Sprung like a chicken, chasing my tail like a doggy. She was kind of like a star, thinking I was like a fan. Damn, she looked good. Downside, she had a man. He was a Rudy too. A Nick and Pooh. She told me soon your little birdie's gonna fly the coop. She was a flake like corn and I was born not to understand. But let the past, I proved to be a better man.
I wasn't such a wimp Cause then I would let you know That I love you so And if I was your man Then I would be true The only lying I would do Is in the bed with you Then I turned to Chill is the one who loves you dearly Cause he has loved me tender But the letter came back Three days later We turned to Cinder you he was at Sunderland Uni around the same time you were and there was a couple of things that he remembered from that time so if you see if these these ring a bell we can remember you in class making sound effects noises wow yeah I was constantly constantly making um sound of I started I started off making sound effects uh like lorries or children running down the street or like a ball bouncing or uh, a car crash, like an epic car crash, including an ambulance and the people getting taken away. That was that was my thing. And then I realised shortly after that that I could beatbox. So I started doing human beatbox. So the two led into each other. Yeah, wow. that's that's true. True he story. He mentioned beatboxing, and he also mentioned an art installation that you were involved in that involved concrete techniques turntables. Yes, funny you should say that because I'm actually right in the middle of revitalizing that whole concept because I did a degree in sculpture and that was uh, I did that in the second year that I was there and I stored them, these concrete turntables, loads of people wanted them, they were like epic and I spent all summer making them and I stored them at the university when I came back, you know, from the holidays, they'd all been thrown away, oh, I couldn't no. believe it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into that, but I'm gonna make turntables, and I'm gonna make I've already got I've already got this here look, which is what I'm gonna start making. Oh wow! Concrete ghetto blasters. Ghetto blasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, I've already got my first two orders. <laughs> you're, not, uh, you're not gonna sell them through Amazon, are you? <laughs> um, well, it depends on the on, on how much it costs to ship it out. 
Yeah, you got a problem with <laughs> the shipping pop, thing pop, pop. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might have to hand deliver them myself, you know. <laughs> might be cheaper. Oh, we, know, we know a retailer in Darlington who can help you ship those. A shop, I, a real yeah. shop. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's called Concrete Phase One. <laughs> <laughs> That's in concrete. <laughs> One last thing we mentioned, which you might remember as well, was one particular teacher you can remember who was like a drunk, posh James Bond. Um, a particular teacher, illustration teacher, I think he said. Illustration? Oh, we've got two or three. Two or three in bad. I'll, I'll take that. Um, yeah. I'm going to jump in. Me and Alan came to see you um at Hoochie Coochie for the launch of the um Crown Persona album. I yeah. think you did a, a like a like an intimate invite only gig. Yeah. And because yeah, yeah. Alan's your friend and, and I wasn't at the time, you, you get got Alan a ticket <laughs> and uh, Alan being my friend <laughs> asked me, me <laughs> I made him take yeah, us. Yeah. yeah. yeah just yeah, let me yeah. get this right. He wasn't going to go. Really? I was like, we are going. Because <laughs> you've Together got the tickets. Yeah. 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 So we went. As, yeah. I, was his, I was his plus one. <laughs> right. So <laughs> we went to that gig and it, it was really good and we really enjoyed it. Um, and I imagine that since March, obviously, gigs have changed a lot. And that was quite a personal, intimate gig. It was basically you guys sat on stage. I think when you go to Hoochie Coochie, if, you've, if you're from the northeast area, and you've never been to Hoochie Coochie, this is a club that you must go to. They have some brilliant turns on. The music's always fantastic. And it's quite an intimate place um, when it comes to listening to live music. And that gig was, you know, it, was, it wasn't like a stadium gig. It was different to the, the forum gig that we went to that was a bit more full on. Um, yeah. And I, I just wondered, you, you've done a few gigs since March, um, that have been socially distanced. How have them? How have they worked? How's that worked? You know, because you're used to well, playing a big crowd. How does it feel when all of a sudden all that crowd's spaced out? Um, it's it's interesting, uh, but you know, people, our fans get upset because they'll email us. Like last year, they would email us and say, "Is that a seated venue?" I'm not going to that for to see it. I want to dance. You know what I mean? That they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're really up for going out and having a dance. That's what they want to do. So, but obviously this time there was you know the restrictions were what they were. So like Hoochie, we did Hoochie, but we did an acoustic stripped back version. Yeah. So it was up like double bass, um, nylon guitar, and one conga. It was like really really stripped back. But we ended up having to do two nights, um, you know, because of the restrictions. And in fact, we've done that a few times. What we've been doing is we did one at the Time Bank Brewery and then we did another one, um, but we did two sittings on that. So it was like a matinee, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so we did, did a full gig, went off stage, had an hour off and then went back on stage again. It was like, you know, like a theatre style thing. So yeah. it was quite interesting, you know, like just to make ends meet really, you know, but we can only do these shows locally because we haven't got the overheads of traveling and the hotels and yeah. the van hire and all that stuff. So that's why we've been doing so many like local. Because I'm, I'm weird. I like to sort of space our local gigs out and make like create a demand. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not into like playing every week in Newcastle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we have to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. just moving on from that, 
you now have got you're going to do a uh, your next gig, which I believe is is coming up. Is it tomorrow? Uh, the virtual yeah. gig. Yeah. Can and you tell us about that? How is that going to work? We well, we've done one before. That's all we've done, and um, I was reluctant to do it because of the costs and because of the logistics. It's really like you've got to, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it really high spec. You know, people are going to pay. And, and, and they're going to want a good job. They're, they're going to want really good cameras moving and sort of edited live. It's got to be live. It can't be pre-recorded because we interact with the audience as well. Not loads, but we obviously got we've got someone who takes notes at the front and then trans, you know, lets it like in between songs and stuff. So we've got that. And but it's having the sound right. You've got to have the sound nailed for live. So we work with a team called um, Motorhouse in Sunderland. And they literally just finished uh, adapting their studio for this kind of thing, just as lock, the main lockdown happened the first time. So we went into there, and that's where we did it. And they, they spent a whole week trying to get their latency right. So when you hit the snare, visually, you, you hear the snare, because there was, like, snag yeah. with, like, web interference and all this stuff. And they ironed it out. They got it, and, and they did a great job. Um, so we're using them again. But they reckon this time they've got it even higher spec. So, you know, oh, wow. what can go wrong? You know? So that, that's so happening I, tomorrow but, night then, basically. Yeah, so that's, that's the 13th. tomorrow night. Uh, well, well, it's uh, the November the thirteenth, and it's basically and there's people from all over the world like who've asked us to do this because they listen to our Northern Call Experience, the radio show, and they're like, "When are you going to do a live show? Really want to see you live?" Because they used to come and see us live, you know, when we used to travel around. So there's people in like you know Australia, like Thailand, um, America. Uh, wow. literally all over the UK, all over Europe, you know, like all waiting to watch this on this stream, which is amazing, really. Can uh, I ask, is the ticket uh, still available or is it limitless tickets? How does it work? It's limitless, yeah. So it, it, it's, and, and, and if, it, even We're if going you miss tomorrow it, night, you can, Alan. <laughs> you can still, you can still buy the ticket even after you've missed it. You know, obviously then you can't <laughs> react with us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Interreact, whatever the word is. Yeah. Well, that, that's amazing. I mean, I think this year, from DJs, obviously, live streaming's been a massive thing that they've wanted to do just to get that sort of interaction with their audience. And bands as well, like you say, I mean, they Take That did a, did a full live performance, didn't they? And I think Little Mix did the same sort of thing recently as well. Yeah. So you're kind of following the, in, their, in their footsteps, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, you've got to look at it like a cross between radio and tv you know like you know even theater companies now i was on the phone today like to a theater company who are doing stuff for charity but really high spec level and they're and they're gonna that they, they are gonna do the show like it's on a tv you know what yeah. i mean so it's like that pro wow. and that's that that's the way it's all gonna go even when you know the virus fades away or whatever this is here to stay all this internet the way that things work people are going to get used to this way they're still going to miss live experience, but they're going to get used to that lazy way of not having to go out as well. So yeah. this is this but is going to continue. It's not going to stop. Is that maybe yeah. a thing though, where um, people say say that gig that you know, yes, they are from they're in Tokyo or they're miles away, and they can't get to that gig, so they take the second best option, which previous to COVID you weren't offering. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's a that's another audience member you've got at your gig that can't get on a plane and can't come and see you. Yeah. Or yeah. can't travel to see you. It's a bit like the restaurant that never did takeaway. Yeah. It's and like they never did takeaway yeah. and then all of a sudden they've realised 
They've had Musical to do book, takeaway. Yeah. They've had to do takeaway, and then they've realised yeah. that, like, actually, that's a twenty percent lift in takings. Uh, we should carry on doing takeaway when everything goes back to normal. I mean, with all this said, it's it, it comes down to demand. So if you're a band who's only been around for a year and you haven't got much of a following and you just started out, you're basically screwed. You know, you can't go out and gig. You can't earn that fifty quid here and that fifty quid there. You just can't. That's it. And if you and therefore you haven't got a fan base. So you, you doing a gig online ain't going to get you any money. It, it isn't. Yeah. You might get like twenty quid off like some your mum and dad and you know what I mean yeah. like it's just not I, I can't see that working at all yeah. I if you're really good and people go god have you seen these these are amazing then the buzz goes yeah but that takes time we've been really fortunate that we already had a fan base in place yeah. so yeah. we're really blessed to be honest that we've got that because without that we would be pretty screwed you know what I mean Yeah. Um, and it's also going back to doing the radio we, we already did radio a year before this happened but we just did get together, record it on a Wednesday afternoon and then send it on the Wednesday night and, it, and then it would actually go on the airwaves. Now we're on like four different radio stations. There's one in um, The Face in Brooklyn. We're on um, Method in Newcastle and 1BTN in Brighton and Totally Wired in uh, London. And also I think we're supposed to be having talks with Soho Radio now. So it's we've got all of that open up because we started doing more um on Facebook, as you said earlier, like you know, it was like Can John I ask? suggested, why don't we do the uh, the radio show on the Friday night, like live? Yeah. But we, we, we weren't bothered about people watching it back on Facebook, like the next day, like the blocks and all that. We yeah. just wanted the experience of people watching us record the show. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It. I get it. Totally get it. We've actually done that ourselves. So yeah. going talking about radio, uh, you kicked off uh, with a radio show called Ultra Vibe. <laughs> on Sunderland yeah. We Are FM. Tell us about yeah. that. You found that on Wikipedia, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what happened was, um, do you know, when I was a kid, I never wanted to be a DJ. I always wanted to make music with records. I knew that, like I explained earlier. But um, DJing, like, sort of, uh, it's sort of, I could see money. You know what I mean? People saying, oh, if you DJ here with them records you've got, I'll give you some money. I was like, oh, right, this is better than... Uh, stack of shelves so that's what happened then the I, I, but i was always fascinated by radio from when i was young and I, I i moved to bedford and i used to listen to a radio station called chilton radio and it had the hottest jingles you've ever heard they were amazing and it was like uh chilton radio tune in and rip the knob off and it was like i was like that's amazing <laughs> so um I started sort of like getting obsessed with making jingles because it was kind of related to what I did. So um, only reason I want to do radio is just so I can make jingles. You know what I mean? I should have really got a job making jingles like in the end. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, to answer your question, we uh, a station opened up called We're FM and I got involved and me and Tubes ran a night. Um, we were in a band called Old Groove and we were signed to Big Life Records. And then so we called the radio station Ultra Vibe. And it was on a Tuesday night every week. And we never got paid for it. And we used to walk to the station with a box of records because we had no money to get there. And I used to cry walking home like the pain was that bad. You know? This is before they invented the wheels, obviously, on record boxes. Yeah. <laughs> was this before they invented the wheel? Yeah, the yeah, wheel. Yeah. Before yeah. the wheel. <laughs> that long ago. So, which well, leads us nicely on. Let's play a record. Let's play a record. Let's play a record. One. 
picked is Inner City, Good Life. What a tune. It's just it's just the greatest dance record ever made. It really is. Tune. Like, you can play it now and it's like there's there's a few different mixes of it. Um there's actually a fantastic uh version that someone's done, it's never been released, it's on SoundCloud. There's a fantastic version where he's took the instrumental and he's put um always there. Justin Brown like a pallet over the top of it. Oh, right. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It works perfect. But this is uh I think you're gonna play this Steve Hurley edit of it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Steve Hurley. It, it's just the sample, the 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 chords, the vocal, uh the beat. It and I remember when I first heard it, I was just it was a head turn on the radio like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, it's like instant, you know? It's classic.
Well, one thing we were going to mention as well is that we were actually we were booked to go to the Corbridge Festival this yeah. year, which obviously you were going to be playing at. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, so we missed we missed that one. Um, hey, is there any other... on a minute. Not that we're stalking you or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like not a, a stalker. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> but I am a fan. But I'm not a stalker. <laughs> so I know you said you've you've obviously missed a lot of gigs this year. Like everyone who's been involved in DJing or, or playing or gigging has. Is there any is there any gigs that you've missed this year? Anything that you were like really really looking forward to? Anything that you've been building up to last year that not been able to happen? I think so many, like, um, because I, I do the bookings and uh, there was, like, so many good things that I'd lined up, like, even the European tour that I had, like, all over the Netherlands, because, like, we were huge in the Netherlands. Like, w one of our uh, albums went number one on iTunes in the Netherlands a few years ago. Um, so we've got a good fan base there. So we've got a really good agent over there as well. So we're really looking forward to going away and, and you know, doing that and even spending some time there recording. As well, we're going to go to the studio and record and, you know, make the most of it. Um, you know, it, there's so many good festivals as well that, like, just all fell by the way. I mean, they've been moved to next year, so yeah. um, we'll just have it's to see. Like, we'll be there at Carbridge. Hopefully, we'll be there. We'll be there at Carbridge. We will be there. We will be yeah. there. So... Um, what have you got? What else have you got to talk about, Mike? Oh, I've always got loads of things. I've got a bit of paper and everything. Right, look at that. <laughs> Wikipedia. It's basically copied and pasted from Wikipedia. <laughs> Need to update that. Yeah. I, I, I think my receptionist Sandra actually wrote that years ago. Receptionist Sandra, right? She's well, not. She's, she's on the Northern Call. You know, she's on the radio. Sandra. Yeah. Sandra, yeah, yeah. No one, no, no one's ever seen her. Yeah, we have Karen, we have Karen from accounts. Nobody's ever seen exactly. her neither. <laughs> right. A notable uh, show, according to Wikipedia, that you did in 2015, you played a secret acoustic gig at the England Institute of Mining. And that was only to 100 fans. Now, yeah. and it was at a secret location, which you didn't reveal a location until about 60 minutes beforehand, which... Reminded me of the old school rave days where they used to tell you the directions to go to on the radio. Tell me how that happened and what that was about. That, that was the idea, really. We 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 found we want like we wanted to do because we didn't really do that many acoustic things. So when every time we do an acoustic thing, we always had this thing of like let's let's do a destination or a venue that isn't necessarily a music venue. Um, you know, we'll set everything up, we'll put a PA system in, and we found this mine institution, and it is the most beautiful building. If you look online, you know, you'll see the pictures, it's it's stunning. There's two rooms, actually. Um, one's like a, an architect sort of, like, library thing, and then the other one's like this, like, meeting, like a board meeting, but it's all curvature, um, you know, what's the word where the sound projects up, you know, like a theatre um, style. Or like amphitheatre, is it? Yeah, yeah, th that's the word, an amphitheatre, so... It, it was just stunning. I was like, look, the history in this place. And obviously, our theme is Northern Call music. So, like, this goes together really well, the miners and all that. So, um, and it's very Northern. So, we found the place and went, right, okay, let's do a secret. Like, let's reveal it. We even put those, you know, them old-fashioned antique, like, arrow hands, the 
point you know <laughs> put those posters like el- along the street this way this way this way and then in here and up there and down and then up the oh, stairs brilliant and, brilliant and when the, what i mean it sold out obviously it was only 100 and and the people who were there it, they still talk about it now they say god that was so special i'm so glad i got a ticket for that because everyone was like saying afterwards i wish i was at that but what we did is is i ordered a um, hundred uh kazoos right and i put them <laughs> under the seats of every single seat and at the end of the gig, I said, everyone, now we've got a surprise for you. You're in the band. And they all went, way. He went, no, but you've got to play. Here's the part. And the saxophone guy played the theme from the beggar man. I went, now reach under your uh, seat. And there's your instrument. And everybody went, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's on YouTube, actually. Is it? No, I'm going to look Well, what I think you should do, because I imagine in 2015 to do a like secret gig would have been more difficult it's a bit like getting like doing the rave days but now what you should do is you should do a secret gig that's going to be in a location but don't tell them where the location is again until the last 10 minutes but then go on facebook live and do it live so they have to come and find it and leave clues and stuff like that yeah look where we are yeah yeah yeah. because it'd be easier now with the technology we'd be able to do it yeah, well, um, I think Mike was going to do this crazy thing where um, somebody had to get off the metro, right, and run up Northumberland Street, up to Monument, and try and beat the metro. <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to film both ends. This was going to be the challenge. Because we were always thinking about virally how you can interest and engage people who might not necessarily know your band. So yeah. if you do crazy stuff like this... Uh, then they go, oh, it's a band, and then they look into it, and 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 you know that's that's how you've got to work things now. You can't just be a cool band. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to be crazy to get out there on social media, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, one... go on, Al. Sorry. The next track you've picked is James Brown. Give it up or turn it turn loose. It loose. Turn it um, I mean, James Brown's got to go in because it's like, you know, he invented funk, really, and he basically invented hip-hop at the same time because uh, he invented the loop, you know, like, if you listen to his music and you take his voice off, it's just a loop, predominantly holding for ages, yeah, and then it lets go. But this track is like, Cool Herc used to, um, he found this, and he used to play it at the block parties in the Bronx, but Cool Herc was a DJ, he didn't have two copies, he didn't do what Grandmaster Flash did. He just lifted the needle off and dragged it back so the brake played again and again and again. And everyone would like scream every time he pulled the brake back. And I think Grandmaster Flash saw this and went, I can do that, but I can mix it seamlessly. And that's where he got the idea. But apparently this is one of the tracks that Cool Herc used to play. It's like the drums is, uh, it might be Clyde Stubblefield, it might not be, but because um, James Brown had a few different drummers. But the drums are great. It's Bootsy Collins on bass and the conga brake, and it's the brake in the middle when it all breaks down and then you hear James go Bootsy and he brings the bass back in and then the conga and then James just screams like a pig you know like the energy is unbelievable it's regular
called me and Mike before we came on uh, to start the interview. Just about like, obviously, we're more from a DJ background, and I know DJs have lost a lot of gigs and things like that. But how has it been from uh, from your like point of view personally? You know, being in a band, um, not being able to tour and stuff like that. How has that been for you, sort of like financially? Um, yeah. Actually, I haven't been too bad because I, I, I run a, um, a record label and um, and other things I do as well. So I like I, I'm kind of spinning plates. So I've been all right. Like, and I got some money from the government. It wasn't a great deal, but I got some. So actually, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, you know, there's some people out there that are, that are really struggling. Do you know what I mean? So, I've been lucky. They've had other other like other sources of income and things that you've been able to. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've, like, I always do remixing, so I've had quite a lot of that come in. In fact, right. some of it landed the, pretty much the same week that all the shit kicked off, so that was a, a blessing. And some movie edit and stuff, I had some soundtrack bits to do with that. And yeah, that, that that's quite sporadic, that work, but you know, when it comes in, it's always a bonus. So, oh, yeah. I suppose, like you were saying before, it's, it's probably more worrying for the up and coming artists and acts in the future of the industry that's probably more of a. Concern. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it is a problem. The other problem, obviously, is going to be the uh, the fact that everyone's next albums that are coming out over the next three years is just going to be COVID friendly. You know, it's just going to be, you know, <laughs> lockdown. It's lockdown. <laughs> Every chorus is going to be COVID and lockdown. And yeah. you know. a few songs about takeaways, isolation, <laughs> and all that kind of carry on. <laughs> and DPD will probably be heavily featured, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amazon. <laughs> Actually, that's something else we, we talked about with some of our other guests on this series was have you, and maybe as a musician and a DJ, you've already got these friendships, but have you formed any new friendships with any delivery drivers over lockdown? Well, not necessarily new. Uh, ironically, there was a guy who used to run raves many, many years ago. He was quite legendary, and he ran a record shop as well. You probably know him. He's called Guy, and he ran Bass Generator, and they were really infamous rave nights. They were like, more on the happy hardcore side of things. This is a long time ago. Uh, you're talking 1989, you know what I mean? 1990. And um, and he had a record shop, like I say, and then that obviously just went by the by and the rave scene sort of finished. But he was about to start up another business and in the, in the end he got a job to Parcel Force. And I see him every other day because he's always delivering records. And uh, he loves his job. He, he absolutely loves his art. Oh, it gets me out of the house. I can do what I want. It keeps me fit. And I see him all the time. So, that's been quite nice, like to see him. Obviously, he, he can't stay and chat too long because uh, they've got yeah. trackers on their things, and they can see like, why are we at this address this long? <laughs> be like, you're at Smooth House. Why you're there for ten minutes every time? Exactly. You yeah. yeah, you're well, always stopping just, at this address just, here. Why? What, what's going on? We're recording on? an album. <laughs> <laughs> Stroking the cat too long. You yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny a couple of the DJs we've talked to, one of them particularly, he's actually because he's got a van because he's he does mobile work. So he's he's doing a bit of like temporary man with van. Yeah. Of, you know, diversifying just just to bring in some income, really. Why until things get going again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, a, it, it, it's amazing how many people have adapted. Like I, I saw online, I, I don't know him, but I, I thought this was genius. He basically, I think he worked in some kind of scaffolding job, but he didn't really like or something. But he was quite handy, right? And he always wanted to make one of these um, proper stone oven pizza things. So he, he researched it all up, how to get the parts how to build it, like, do it properly. And uh, he did, and he 
videoed it all, like of him making it over like days and days and days. And he finished it and he baked himself a pizza and then he showed everyone. And this video went sort of viral. And then apparently um, one person went, can you make me one? He went, well, I, I know where to get the things. I'll do it, yeah. So he made another one. Then he got another order and then another order. And then, and then he had all these orders and now he runs a business making these pizza fireplace things. That's amazing, isn't it? That's just brilliant. That is think- just brilliant. Anything can happen in 2020. Yeah. He's really happy. He loves his job, apparently. So that, that, that's great. That is what. Um, so I was going to ask. I've got one. I've got one. Uh, right. The Northern Coal Experience Show, Facebook. What are your thoughts on the Facebook police? And what do you think of the live streaming thing when it gets taken down? I know there's the copyright issue. But for somebody yeah. who has produced records and made records, how would you feel about, say, somebody like me as a DJ that thought, I want to go Facebook Live tonight and I want to play a Smooth and Terrell record and play it? Does it upset you? Do you what, what's your thoughts on that? Initially, it used to. Uh, the thing is, what happens is it doesn't block it as you're playing it. So it's not an issue. It's yeah. it's playback if somebody wants to watch it back afterwards yeah. that's when it's getting blocked so i'm not bothered about that because our show goes out on the radio like i said earlier so i'm not really bothered if you know if i want to get numbers up and do you know i think doing a dj set on facebook is quite cheap anyway i, I didn't really want to do it to be honest mm. I, I saw loads of people doing it quite amateurly as well like through a mobile phone through a little speaker it was crap and i thought i'm not going to do that I, and then I, I i researched how to do it properly and I got uh, compressors and everything, you know what I mean? Made it sound really good. But to answer your question, it was like, we did it because it was a process of like actually us recording the show. It wasn't necessarily to like to go out on Facebook. So it was two birds of one stone. But anyway, going back to the original question, it's PRS, really. If Facebook were going to pay PRS, or actually I'd have to pay PRS, like I do, when I hire a venue, I have to pay the PRS which yeah. is actually weird because my band's playing and somehow we're supposed to recoup that back, but you yeah. that's not how PRS works. So <laughs> that's that, that's the main issue. Now, there's a new thing coming into Twitch that I don't use Twitch, but loads of DJs have jumped to Twitch, but now they're all twitching because the mutant's going to start happening there. So no matter where you go, this mutant thing is coming everywhere, no matter what you do. And it's, it's not as it goes out, it's on the playback. So if people are bothered about, you know, getting numbers up and all this sort of stuff, then you've got a problem. But if it's just as you're going out, it's not an issue. Yeah. Because we've done our, it goes back to our, when we've done our podcast, which I was just a little podcast, but sometimes we've recorded it live and done a Facebook live, but then still recorded it and then still put it out as our iTunes podcast as yeah. that that's legit. And it's like, well, it's not like it's not, right. It's legit and it doesn't get taken down. Whereas like on Facebook, we're constantly getting pulled for you've you know copyright 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 and yeah we aren't yeah. we aren't playing a license yeah granted we're not but as a DJ uh, I feel sometimes that like well you know if I play a track I'm playing it and we're getting trying to get people to listen and people might pick up on that track like might be one of your tracks it might be any track that we play might make it a little bit more popular then that person goes out and goes and buys it. I, that's how I thought it would work, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to do it like that. What comes down to music is music uh, is 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 for your own consumption. That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So if you're online playing someone else's music, even though you're promoting their music and loving it, 
you're still breaking the law in a kind of way in, in, in how the majors see it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's what PRS is for. That That's why all the bars, clubs and restaurants have to pay these heavy licenses because that, but it's still unfair. My theory is if you've got Shazam, which picks up nearly 90% of the music that we play, right? So if you've got that, why can't they install that technology? Well, not that it's irrelevant now, but in the bars and clubs and restaurants, like so we can actually see what is getting played rather than Jay-Z getting, uh, and, and Beyonce getting all the money because they're playlisted on Radio 1, therefore they get a bigger slice of the pie. That's the problem with the system, you see. Yeah. That you said the rich get richer because they're at the top. So if, yeah. if, I mean, we're lucky we do actually earn some money from PRS, so I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here, but we're not at the top. And if I was at the top, I wouldn't be saying this. <laughs> but it's a very unfair system, you know what I mean? Uh, it might be, it, it's probably with everything with technology and that probably needs overhauling. Yeah. Uh, but the technology's there. And that wasn't really designed for like people to be live streaming DJ sets. Yeah, but I, it's, 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 it's I, happened. I think the technology is there to do PRS fairly. It's got to be yeah. there. Like you say, Shazam's got it. They've got yeah. that technology to make it fair that every time something's played, that that person gets paid. You know, yeah. and it, it, to me, Jay Z won't let them. Yeah, Jay Z no. won't let them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, blame I mean, I mean, the whole downloading thing is dead now. That's that's almost vanished because of the streaming. And in a way, it's quite cool what's happened because um, let's not get into the whole Spotify argument, but basically. Because downloading's dying because everyone's going to like pay subscriptions and then you can listen to music as much as you want. The the people used to like having some kind of not a physical thing, but an MP three thing, a thing. Now record sales are just shooting through the roof. It's mental. We're repressing so much old stuff because people want them. Do you know what I mean? I'm a big believer in it. It is, it is, because it's like, it's the t-shirt, isn't it? That's what it is. A vinyl is yeah. like buying the t-shirt. I, I, couldn't, it's nice. I couldn't agree more. Nice the, the only thing with you saying there about MP3 is that I can say as a casual like music listener, I can see why nobody's really bothered about downloading. As a day, digitally, you sometimes need that track because obviously when you stream stuff, you can't necessarily use that for DJing. Yeah, so, yeah. And maybe it's going to head more back to sort of your more like your promo days where you get digital promo lists. Well, there's there's uh, streaming DJs now, which is crazy. You've probably already heard about this, where you're actually using the cloud like the DJ. I'm not into that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you I what, that. I'd, like to, I'd like to talk about that, but let's play some music. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. So, Parliament flashlight. Parliament flashlight. Parliament. I mean, it's they are so sample. They're as sample as James Brown have been. You know what I mean? That they're like way up there. Uh, George Clinton is is a king. Um, I've met him. I've interviewed him. He's he's a legend. Um, he's crazy. You know, he's proper crazy. But he's got the funk. And Parliament was like an offshoot of um, uh, funkadelic. Funkadelic was more psychedelic, really. But Parliament was more funk. And um, this is just unbelievable. Uh, Flashlight is basically like. The baseline in this, it just never, it never stays the same. It just keeps running up and down. It's like a walking baseline. It's amazing. Uh, it's just so funky. Yeah, I 
streaming and yeah there is the technology out there now where the dj doesn't even have to own the track or own the mp3 or own the vinyl they pay a subscription uh of 20 pound or 25 pound a month whatever it is and they never own the music personally i mean everybody's telling me and i sell dj equipment this is what i do for a living right and i sell this technology and i should be bigging it up because it's the new technology and everybody's telling me that streaming is the future. When I talk to my son, who's 17 year old, stream, he would never go and buy a CD. He would never, ever 
go and download a track on iTunes. He will go and buy a vinyl, some obscure out of Oxfam or a charity shop because he does have a record player. Yeah. And this generation, uh, there's a generation coming that will only yeah. ever stream. Yeah. What's your well, thoughts on my that? Theory is, my theory is once uh, four or five of the major sites like Juno, B-Port, TrackSource, uh, they'll still have their web page right where it is. And then right next to that, they'll have the streaming side of it. So, you know, you've got like Juno Records and Juno Download. They were not actually the same company anymore. Um, but that's what it'll be like. It'll be like B-Port presents the streaming facility. So you log in, you get your subscription, and it, I, I, can, I, I can actually see it taking off if... If the UK sorts its Wi-Fi out, it's it's nowhere near, nowhere near. The only the other yeah. thing I've got as well, Smooth, is as a DJ, I'm a collector of music, like like much like yourself. You come into my room here, and there's everything from here we go. This will shock you, uh, Iron Maiden, yeah, <laughs> yeah. ACDC, Great. all Great. that, like loads and loads of things, right down to like a lot of dance music, a lot of house music, and I'm a collector of music. <laughs> And I just love having the physical item. But when you stream and you pay a streaming service, and you'll know about this because as a DJ, when you've had your box of records and you've sorted your records, and you kind of know where things are. It's like that box of records has got that sound in. The back of that yeah. box has got them tracks in. And you build your playlists up. Now, a digital DJ does it again very similarly. You build your playlists up. And you do all that and you put your cue points in and all these fancy tools that the, um, the modern DJs use, these performance tools. But if that's all on subscription, if you all of a sudden stop paying that subscription because you fall out of DJing yeah, for six months, but, but the it's way, gone. the way that you could argue it, uh, look, I, I totally agree with you. I'm a vinyl man. You know, we've already explained this, that I like I live for records. But I always see the other side of things like with technology because you have to sometimes embrace it. I learned how to use tractor because I was teaching so I showed the kids how to use that out of the loop on it. And then I started using it in my DJ sets when John was singing with me because I was sick of carrying CDs around without backing tracks on. Um, and I obviously had a big box of records as well. But so it made sense to sort of, but then it was like music was, it is also disposable. You know what it's like? You, you buy a dance record and then a year later you think, I'm never going to play that again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes, oh, yeah, so there is it. a lot of disposable music stuff like Iron Maiden that is never going to be disposable. It's it's classic, you know, like albums that they're going to sell and keep the over and over again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm not sure about the Eagles actually. But anyway, <laughs> um, basically, basically, like um, you know, uh, let's go back to sort of like the digital. DJing for me it was a bit of a like a revelation and I, I enjoyed it because it was a bit of fun it was something new then the idea like setting up the box and all the wires really pissed me off I was like ah oh. and then it going wrong it's unreliable yeah. you know like why is why is it jumping why is this not working you know like oh because I was using time code vinyls as well it was just a nightmare but it also came over the problem of feedback whenever you used to get to certain gigs there was massive feedback problems because they hadn't sound checked any vinyl for years so these clubs were just clueless. They were just electronic DJs. Everything was electronic. So it, 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 it kind of solved that. But then I really missed vinyl. So I went to 45s. Then I, now more recently, I'm back into my 12s. So it's just something to keep me stimulated. But I did see this one guy at a gig, and he had a digital setup, right? 
and uh, and he had a box of records, but he had no records in the sleeve. You know what he was doing? He he loved the art of the record jumping out at you, like if it deciding what it was going to. So he had a box of sleeves, and he had the same things in his car. And he had other stuff in his thing, but he was just like, sometimes just flicking through, you know, when you're not sure what to play. Oh, yeah. Visual aid. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, because the visual thing just is gone, you know, completely. Because yeah, I totally agree with you. Because I, when I start, obviously, I've embraced a lot of the digital stuff because I sell it, right? Yeah, but exactly. But I, I remember, like, records. I just knew. I, I, I'm terrible for remembering the title of a record or a name of a record, especially if it's just like an underground house record. But I know if I pull that vinyl out, I go... I know what that is, yeah. and I put it on. Now, if you just give me the data which says who did it and what the you know what the name of it was, I'm like, not sure what that is. And yeah. I remember me and Alan went to do a gig years and years and years ago, and Alan embraced the digital DJing from a laptop really early. And if you remember this, we went and did a birthday party for somebody, and you went, oh, I'll just take my laptop with my hard drive plugged in. And I went... Oh, I don't know about that, mate. I'm still using CDs when you used to like flick through the book. All scratched, yeah. Yeah. All jam. <laughs> so we turned up with his laptop, and I sat there with my big wallet of CDs, never played one, just used them to reference and go, You need to play that now. Have you got that on that hard drive? <laughs> he typed it in quickly, and it, that's basically how the gig worked. Yeah. Imagine when people came in at the party and they were like, "What are these guys doing? Like, what, why is he keep flicking through that CD wallet, and never taking and never using it? I don't understand what's happening here." Yeah. That's a bit like that time when I was doing a house party and uh, someone came in and um, I, it, it wasn't my setup, but the guy went, "Do you want to go on the deck?" So I went, "Yeah, yeah." And then he went to the toilet or whatever, and, and, and so I was using his records and his setup, and I'm playing some records, and I went, "Oh, there's no headphones. There's a microphone though." So what did I do? I got the microphone right, plugged it into the headphone socket and put the microphone on my ear because you could just hear the like on the cue. And I'm stood there DJing with a microphone in my ear and people are dancing, looking at me going, what the fuck is he doing? People always look at us like that when we go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do it now, you know. There's one quick interesting thing there talking about streaming. Do you not think there's a bit of a, a, a worry that if people are just going to stream, and I, I've had a little go at this with streaming through a digital player, it kind of steers you to, like, you get playlists like top 10 dance records, top 10 soul records. It kind of starts, it tries to feed you the music. Yeah, and make everything with him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's creating a top 10 dance records for everyone to play. It's, it's almost being a DJ for the DJ. Yeah, yeah it's, giving you, it's giving you a list of records to play, but really it's giving you the top 10 that the record labels want you to listen to. Well, it, it you've got in key mixing it, it's going to be able to do that, it's going to mix it for you, it's going to suggest a BBM, it's going to suggest a mood. We're you know, all it, doomed! It, it, We're all it, doomed! But, <laughs> but, you know, this has been said for years, and that it could have killed the DJ years ago, and we're still around, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, too yeah. right. Times, times do change like you, you know you've got you have got to accept that DJ look look I've always said this right so in the beginning there was vinyl right in the very beginning right then there was magnetic tape right then there was VHS right um, then there was all these other different things that came and went like mini disc and you know CD and you know MP3s then streaming downloads blah 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 and here we are back again still with vinyl <laughs> 
true. It's there. True. It is there. Well, let's talk about the last track that you picked then, which is Mr. Fingers. Can you feel it? Um, I just you know, it, it's like a girlfriend to me. This one, I, I, I actually fell in love with this record, uh, and uh, you know. I could say that about all of the other ones I just played, but not like this, not like I did with this. This was like that sort of the beginning of house music. It was the end of disco and the beginning. It's It's got a term for what it's called. I, I can't remember now, but it's in between the disco and the house. And it's that naive sort of bedroom produced, but it's just beautiful. It's so simple. It's just two chords. Um, but the layers and the way that things are being punched in and out, like live on the desk, like bringing in the clap, bringing in the ride. Every time I hear it, I, 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 I get inspired for how you can structure a song. It's just a beautiful piece of music, and it has to be the original instrumental version, not the version with the, the bootleg vocal over the top.
great track. So looking ahead, 2021, what's your, how do you feel about next year? Um, I hate to say it, but um, I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist or a whatever. But I, I, I just know that even with this so-called vaccine and whatever, you know, whatever the government are rolling out this, uh, this good news or this uh, uh, projected good news a bit early but i just firmly believe that restrictions will still be in place there'll be like social distancing masks limitations on how many people are allowed there and blah 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 for ages even when the vaccine is actually getting slowly rolled out all over the world and all over the country it's still going to be an issue for a long time i think we're looking at another year of this of like music being kept in a box like this it will take time i think you're right it's not a light switch it's not going to happen because the only good thing, like in the short term, we've got to look forward to is the better weather next year. Hopefully, some more outdoor stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when this lockdown first happened, I was like, I was envious because we used to like do gigs in Italy, and I could see like people in Italy putting events on because you've got the reliable weather. In yeah. the UK, you can't really. We did do an, uh, one outdoor event, and it was fantastic. The sun was out that day as well. It was it was amazing. Wow. So if only we had the hot weather, you know what I mean? Then we'd just put loads of gigs on outdoors. Yeah. We we certainly haven't got that in the UK. No. <laughs> yeah. like, Umbrellas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it's like. Well, so, I, I would just like to say, I'd, I'd, you know, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to interview you. Uh, I know I get a bit excited when I'm uh, in, interviewing, uh, you know, somebody that I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, now, uh, now, now that we're Facebook friends and stuff like that, I think we're going to create this beautiful relationship. Uh, I'm just about to defriend you right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I tell you what, I think Alan, do you know what? Tomorrow night is Friday night, and I believe this gig is on, and I think we should join in this gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we should get on there. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's get let's it. get some tickets sorted, Alan, and let's have another like. Let's have a beer tomorrow night. I tell you what, the last online gig we did, because obviously we can't see what's going on, but it's actually like being the telly because there's actually a big glass screen that we're looking into the the, the studio, like so we're in a room like a box, so we feel like goldfish. So, but it was the next day. It felt really good, but the next day I went online and I looked and was like, wow, there was loads of photographs sent to us of people in the house, dressed up, fully dressed up, makeup on, hair done really like nibbles loads of beers a couple of friends around and it was a party in their sitting room it was, i was like that's amazing i like i honestly like had a tear in my eye i was like that's oh, wow. incredible that is incredible that is incredible alan we need to get on this tomorrow night <laughs> we need to get on this. Yeah. yeah yeah we need yeah you can wear the makeup no bother <laughs> now we're gonna get into now we're gonna get into your mix
right on down to the stick. A baby is brought into a world of piss. And if you could have talked that soon in a delivery room, I would have asked the nurse for a hit. The reason for this, the mother is a jerk. Excuse me, junkie, which brought the work of the old into a new life. What a way. But this what a way has been a way up to date. Anyway, push couldn't shove me to understand a path for a base that the streamer should have raced it in a first wave. Plus, second wave from believers and believers will walk to it, then even talk to it, and say, Y'all can't have none of that. Tell him what to say, Mace. Say no go. So bear my witness Fly like birds of a feather Jumps are like clever You don't wanna wear it No need to ask that question Just don't mention You know what the answer is Now I never fancy Nancy But the statement she made Held a plate of weight I even stressed it to weight Did he take any heat? Now the boy was hooked He could phrase the words base And the kid just shit In his fashion class Once a now and now The rock moves him now The only design left But once clothes made for Oshkosh Has converted to nothing but stone rock Now hopping in the bound Is a barrel of fun But don't hop in If you wanna be down Some shit out for me, got an honor than action What does it lead to? People say, what have I done for all my years? My tears show my heart and work I heard shoving is worse than pushing But I'd rather know a shovel than a push Because a push is a jerk
Oh, oh.